Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Derek. <laughs> and I'm Ray. I'm Alex Reed. Welcome back to another episode of... Mostly Mostly Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Mosi Lit. Hey guys, hey guys, hey guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, so basically today <laughs> we're joined by a very special guest, and unfortunately we're not joined by Ray, but she'll probably turn up. I don't know, like the next five minutes or something. Yeah. Um, but we have a very special guest with us today. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jamia Wilson, and I'm the author of Young, Gifted, and Black. What? Welcome, 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 welcome to London. Thank welcome you to for Mostly Lit, me. man. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to Mostly Lit first. Mostly Lit, yeah, of course. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. London is ancillary yeah. to this whole agenda. But okay, so how has everybody's week been? How's everybody doing? Um, we're so happy to have you on, Jamia. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love it here. And the sun came out today. Yeah. I'm so excited. I felt like this was such a good sign um, today <laughs> that I got my first day of sun. Oh, my God. But I just love it here. Mm-hmm. Um, the energy and the beauty, the diversity. I've eaten really good food, met mm. amazing writers, and mm. met children who've really inspired me <laughs> at our book events. And then the London Book Fair was very intense. Oh, my God. Yeah. So London has given me so much in the short time I've been here so far. Oh, my God. What's your favorite bit, Ben? What's the, what kind of food did you eat, actually? I want to know. I, I want to know that as well. I want to know. Ooh, I ate amazing Tunisian-Moroccan fusion food Ooh. at Adam's Cafe. Oh I can't remember the neighborhood mm. because I'm directionally challenged. Somebody else <laughs> helped me get there and help me find my way to the bus. I confess. Oh my god! My name is Jamia Wilson, and I am directionally challenged. Directionally but challenged. It was so delicious and just amazing. Mm. And you know, I also found some really good gluten-free spots because I have food allergies. So I had people map my food options out before I got here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I've just been going around trying all the different gluten-free spots like Ethos and um, I'll be going to gluten-free tea on Monday. Oh, wow. Oh, really gluten-free fun. tea? Yes. So you're going to have like scones that don't really taste right. <laughs> probably. Okay, okay. They're probably going to like be, what is it called? What do they call it again? What? Boneless, boneless things. <laughs> you know, like boneless chicken. Oh, <laughs> like, oh right. Yeah, yeah. See, my taste buds have shifted so much because even, you know, I had a pizza party for my staff that, and I said, oh, I have gluten-free vegan pizzas for everyone. And they oh were saying, yay. And then <laughs> they tasted them and said, oh, this is actually good though. Oh <laughs> I think they were bracing themselves for <laughs> some disappointment. How does the food compare to like American food? You know, I think because I think people were freaking me out about my London food options before I came here. You know, New York people think a lot of our food. Mm-hmm. But I came here and I think that the food here is really good. And I've had huh. really delicious food. And I think, I mean, mainly the food I've been eating has been a lot of like, ethnic cuisine. Good. Because that's usually how I roll. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's how London rolls. How's your week been, Ray? Oh, hi, guys. Oh, hi, Ray. Uh, you just appeared out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> so lovely to meet you. Um, my week has been okay. A bit boring, to be honest. Um, nothing really exciting. So, yeah, as in I just I went to work and I came back and I've read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you've got some reading done this week. Yeah. 
Do you want to? No, I mean, I'm like good. Like, congratulations. Okay. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank okay. you. Um, yes, I got some reading done this week. Not like anything substantive, just like those little mini penguins. Oh, um, oh right. See, yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've, that's what I've been reading. So, I've been good. How are you guys? Oh, good. Oh, yeah. good. It's been quite a quick week. Can't yeah. lie. Just been trying to. Speed on through. Speed the weather's through. turning this. I'm happy. Yeah, beautiful sun, right. beautiful sunshine, beautiful sunshine. Derek is trying to like maneuver everyone so that I'm just like facing. Can people. Please speak into the mic. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no the mics are the mics are fine. Okay. Um, my yeah, my week's been um, it's a, it's been alright. I did something, but I, ca- I can't remember what I did. I know I did something. Alex, did I tell you I did anything this week? I have a really bad memory. I don't know. So let's move. Let's move. On. <laughs> Fair let's, enough. Let's move on. I don't let's think I on. did anything then. <laughs> All right. Um, so, do you have a gem for us this week? I do or... actually. Yeah, it is a poem. So it's by a poet called Princess Peace, and I basically saw her perform some poetry. Yeah. Um, I went to an event. I think it was at the L- is it called LSE, London School of Economics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah LSE. And she was there, and she performed um, some poetry, and I was just like, "Wow, this girl, like, she's sick." Um, so I went and found her on Twitter. Of course um, she did. She's a stalker. <laughs> anyway, so I went and found her on, on Twitter and um, she just posted a poem that she'd written. I think she performed it. It's called um, Ode to Black Women. And it's just, it's amazing. It's really good. I like the tones. I, way, I like the way she she writes poetry. The way she performs poetry is, is mm-hmm. amazing as well because she, she like, she reminds me of kind of like a rapper in a sense because she throws in like a lot of metaphors that you won't catch unless you're like, I guess kind of like a hip in hip hop generation sort of thing, or unless you're kind of nerdy or she, do you know what I mean? Like she's really, really do, clever, huh? Did you come to do Azealia Banks in loves love rhymes, <laughs> love rhymes and beats? What's it called? No, 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 not like, not so like, like that. <laughs> but no, but like I yeah, you know I, I know what you mean do. though. Yeah, um, but she just yeah, it's called um, Alter Black Women. It's basically okay. talks about a lot of the um, basically I guess c- kind of forgotten black women in Britain who have obviously added to um, community, added to society, added to Britain. Right. And, you know, she's obviously like, she highlights them. She names a lot of them as well. Mm. Um, it's not really a long poem. Well, not really. I, I say medium length. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just great. Great rhythm, great tones, great um, content. Yeah, it's called Alter Black Women by Princess Peace. Princess Peace. Yeah. Oh, what a name. Right? What a name. Okay. Look at why are you getting all excited? Ray's all in her feelings, like, oh, I feel good. She's so I do feel good. It's good. It's sunshine. <laughs> it's a lot, right? The weather's like, really nice. Ray looks I just relaxed have a headache, today. Which is oh, okay. So if you see the way walk, Ray walked in here, she stormed in here. I thought she was angry. She sat in front of the mic and she just starts grinning teeth. Like, <laughs> she just she just came in in a flurry. I was late. I'm so sorry, guys. All right. Um, so this week, obviously, we've got Jamia here. Welcome, We're going to be talking welcome, to her welcome. about all Thank things you. to do with her book, writing, and just general. We had an amazing conversation before we came on air. So we want to try and re... What's the, what's the word? Re-emulate? Emulate? Redo? Rehash? Restart, rehash. Yes. <laughs> Delve deep into that. But wait, um, I want to ask what everybody's reading. We did that. Did nah. you do that? I didn't yeah. say what I'm reading. Sorry, I want to show okay. off a little bit. All right, show, all right. Tell us what, what, what you're reading. reading. What, what, <laughs> what are you yeah. reading, Derek? Oh, thanks, guys. So basically, I'm reading this very you're interesting. Actually, so book. annoying. It's called <laughs> It's called The Kingdom by um, Emmanuel Carrere. I asked Alex how to pronounce his surname because I didn't want to butcher it. And Alex is East French, apparently. I never said yeah. that was okay. But you studied French. Yeah? It's fine. You studied French. So I'll take that. But yes, really, that. really interesting. I don't. It was it was in the like the fiction section in, in Waterstones, but mm. I'm reading it. It's, it's like a memoir sort of mm. thing. He's talking about his journey through. Well, so far he's talking about his journey through Christianity, how he was like on on fire for Christ at one point, <laughs> and now years later he looks back and he's just kind of like, what was going it on in familiar. my life at that time? Sounds familiar. I think it sounds familiar to a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just really, really interesting. I think as I get into it, he's going to start talking. He's going to start fictionalizing Paul's journey and obviously his um conversion on the way to damascus i think it mm-hmm. was Saul. i said paul Saul. so then he converted to paul yeah um but it's amazing and the writing is great i think it's the clarity of the writing mm-hmm. that i really like most mm-hmm. actually reminds okay. me of north guard actually oh nice but yeah so what are you reading alex i'm not this week what about you, Jamia? What are you reading this week? Yes, Jamia, what are you reading? So I have about 10 million things that I need to read after London Book Fair now. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, because my day job is the director and publisher of the Feminist Press. 
Oh, wow. We are the longest running feminist publisher in the world. So um, there were a lot of different books that we met at the London Book Fair that we were thinking about wanting to acquire and that kind of thing. But I am reading a book that came out of last year's London Book Fair to us, which is called La Bastarda. And it's a novel by an equatorial Ghanaian woman who is uh, writing about a character who's an orphan, hence the name La Bastarda, and this character's um, sexuality and exploration of it. And the author is an out lesbian um, and also the first woman to have her book translated in English from Equatorial Guinea. So we're really excited. And I'm reading her book because she's coming to the States next week for Pin World Voices. Um, And I'm just really ready to welcome her and to learn from her. Okay. Yeah. Great. Who are you reading? I told you I'm reading my little mini penguins. They're Which not ones exciting. though? Which ones you read? I don't know. You just pick up right. You know what? I've, I'm, I've been having like a really, I think I've had a bad reading week. You know when you're just Man, just five minutes ago you said it's been, it's been good. Reading no, week. it's been like, I've just been reading. Mm. But, mm. but I've not been reading consistently. Yeah, and I just pick up something and I just get really agitated oh, and anxious yeah, and I'll yeah, pick up yeah. something else and then I'll get like halfway through. It's an annoying phase, It's so it? terrible. Do you know what? I've just been tired. I think that's all I've been. You're always tired. I've just been tired. I like I've just been sitting like I've been like you know when you know when you're you just don't find it you don't find it hard to get to sleep anymore. You basically as soon as your head hits down, you're just gone. That's, and then, that's then, a good life, bro. Sudden, no, but that is like you know usually I'm up doing stuff and trying to like get stuff done, but then I'm just like knocking out really early because my body just can't. Yeah. Your so, body's telling you I can't I'm exhausted. My body's telling me I'm exhausted. Exactly. So that's why I've just not done anything. I just literally either come home and just I had a nap, laying down. That's why you don't pick up my calls? I don't. You're like, don't. I don't, because I'm tired. Don't, you can't turn into him. You Whenever like... Ray calls me, I pick up my phone, I just look at it, I kiss my teeth and put it back to <laughs> I always worry when people call me and I miss it. Well then, now I know. <laughs> I always worry when people call me, because I'm just like, oh my God, is it an emergency? Because if it's not... Me too. The, yeah, because then if it's an like, you know, like... I've already called if... you twice for an emergency. Yeah, yeah, but then I'm it, really it, worried. Like, why is this person calling me? What's because nobody calls me? So when my phone rings, yeah, so I like, jump a little bit, and then I miss weird. it. Then I miss it briefly, and I'm like, oh god! Like, then if they don't call me again straight after, then it's obviously not yeah. pressing. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, I self, I identify the same way because now even that I'm gone, I have someone in my office sitting there answering my voicemails, being ready to email me because I think it's a generational thing that I'm like, oh, if you left me a voicemail, yeah. then it must be important. It must be important. <laughs> oh, okay. So somebody yeah. texts me about that voicemail because I don't want to be triggered <laughs> when yeah. I come back and I find it. <laughs> no, I think it's my nan. I'll call her once and she won't pick up. Then I'll call her again and she'll pick up on that one. But then she'll call me the next day from because she's seen the missed call that I called oh. her the first time and oh. she'll leave a voicemail I'm like I spoke to you yesterday like I actually spoke to you yesterday like are you, why are you worrying me she's like oh no because I, like, I just missed your call I'm like I didn't call you today I called you yesterday sorry <laughs> <laughs> alright let's get talking um, about your amazing book thank um, you that's come out yeah, I actually this morning um, I was looking for it and because I gave it to um, my little one at home um, and I found it underneath his bed and I'm happy because that means he's actually reading it. I love it. Um, the first, like, literally I got it and I was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely going to him. Definitely, And definitely. he's, like, really enjoying it. Although, obviously, he's just learning to read. Um, he's, I think he's good now. How old is he? He's, like, just turned seven. Oh, okay. So he's, like, good, but, you know, there are things that he struggles with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I like to read it to him. And it's so weird when I read, like, the girls' sections. The first time I got it, I was like... I don't come to come here now. Come and read this with me. Um, yep. And he's really enjoyed it. I just wanted to ask, like, what was, was it uh, like a frustration in you that made you go and write this? Or what was sort of the inspiration and the passion behind it? Um, and wanting to also have an illustrative aspect of it as well. So the, the impetus for the book really came from the team at Quarto, my publishers, mm-hmm. um, that they had been very visionary about having a nonfiction imprint for children mm-hmm. um, and they got connected with Andrea Pippins who I have been in connection with over the internet 
and black Twitter and all those things over the years, even though we actually have been in close proximity and close friend group with each other, we still haven't met, which is a whole other story. And so when they were talking about um, who could be people who could lead in a project that was about celebrating black history and heroes, they reached out to her and she recommended me to be the author. Mm. And so they came to us with this amazing concept and said that we want to do a nonfiction imprint and what do you think about this title and what do you think about this book? And it came to me at a time when I was having frustration Mm -hmm. about seeing young people in my life feeling like they couldn't find themselves represented in positive ways. Um, And also frustration with what was going on in my country um, and how this was going to impact the next generation. Specifically, a young woman who is close to me, a girl, who was saying when the current president of the U.S. was elected that she felt like, oh, but I thought that Barack Obama was kind of the standard (laughs) for who can be the president of the United States of America. And so that was when the project came. I just thought this is why we have to have this book, because I feel that the next four years specifically in my context and then also things that are happening in England, other places in the world, that our children specifically need to know the lineage from which they came and to know about their power and potential. And then for children who aren't black, who aren't necessarily learning in their schools, our history, which is also their history, Mm -hmm. because all of us originated in Africa, just for the people in the back who (laughs) might not know that yet, um, that they need these stories too. And so when the project came along and they said, you know, who would be people that you would want to write about? I had a really long list, but was mostly excited to um, be invited to this particular party as I like to look at it and also to have the latitude. Cordo has been amazing. Mm Being in publishing myself, um, my staff and I really look to them as an amazing publisher. That The ways in which they have supported us in this book mm-hmm. has really been great. And I've never been in a situation where I haven't felt like this is the truth that we want to put forth and we can't put it out. They've been open. And honestly, I think the thing that excited me most about having a UK publisher was that some of the content that we wanted to have in this book, I felt would be easier to publish in this context um, because there's an openness here about certain topics being covered that you might not find in a U.S. context. Yeah. So that was exciting too. Interesting. So mm. how how did you um how did you kind of decide who was going in? So were you um, you had a massive long list, then how did you come up <laughs> yeah. with a short list? How did you decide? So this is the part that's still controversial because my dad last night was still giving me a whole thing about how did you not have Alexander Pushkin? And I said, oh, you already, you've told me this 50 times already. <laughs> Every time we talk about the book, he's like, did anyone call you on that glaring omission at any of the events yet? Um, so I think it was really hard because we did have a long list and we kind of had to prune that list. And it was really hard because... There's only 52 that can be there, and the number 52 is great because you can have one per week that you're focusing on, especially Mm. when you're reading it to a child, like you mentioned. And so we really had to think about how are we representing gender in an equity-based way? How are we representing blackness in a way that isn't just focused on the United States? So we took the time to really think about how many people who are black British are here, people Mm. from the Caribbean diaspora, African, Mm. um, people who are in Latin America. Uh, You know, I really wanted to have someone who'd been to Antarctica since we didn't have black people who originated there. Mm. So we had Matthew Henson Mm. in the book. So we were really thinking about how to make sure with... It was global. Exactly, that was global, that we had LGBTQ people, that we had people with disabilities was important to me because I was born blind in one of my eyes. Um, People who struggled through childhood illness, you know, just all these different things so that children could see themselves in in the profiles was really important to Mm -hmm. us. And, you know, we tried to do it as thoughtfully as we could. And I know there's some people people feel really strongly about that weren't in there. Michael Jackson has some very powerful fans out in the world. (laughs) Um, But we really tried to figure out ways in which we could make the book um, as inclusive as possible. Yeah, so th- do you think do you think there's going to be like a volume two 
or do you think that's, that do you, would that be something that you'd be interested in doing then? I would to kind love of, to, to appease do that. the people that are coming at you. I would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> because the social media is not friendly. I think you know. I know Andrea and I are going to be working on something else, um, really exciting with Quarto coming up. So stay tuned. Yeah. Mm. But Watch you know, space. I know I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I know that Jamia Wilson. <laughs> is excited about the possibility of doing another volume. Um, You know, there were just so many people that were not in it. And, you know, we were talking about Black Panther earlier a little bit, because how could we have a conversation with so many amazing, beautiful black folks together and not talk about um, Uh. Black Panther? But (laughs) I was thinking about, um, in this panel I was on at Foils the other day with other black writers, um, ancestors. And I had said, you know, and the ancestral plane was speaking to me. <laughs> so a lot of the people who were in it were actually people who were kind of like, oh, yeah, I you bet. have to be whispering in my ear this, that my story needs to be told. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from other people that that's a similar process yeah. that they've gone through. Yeah. I just quite liked the fact that um, the people in the book were both historical and modern. Mm. Um, a lot of the times when you get these types of books that look at role models, they focus on like old people that you probably have absolute no um, immediate connection to and so when I opened it and I saw an old person I was like okay yeah sure and then I saw someone modern I was like oh wow okay this is amazing um I think it also enables uh, white people have um role models that are current that are around them and I think a lot of black kids lack uh role models that well they're not shown role models around them that are living in a positive light um and I was I just remembered how in school the only black person that I was taught did this amazing thing was like Mary Seacole when I was like in year eight like otherwise yeah like I don't remember in my childhood yeah it's like you know when they talked about history they'd be like oh yeah and there was this woman called Mary Seacole they would always parry her against Florence Nightingale yeah Mm. and it was like there was a documentary. Do you remember watching this documentary of Florence Nightingale and Mary Seacole? And it's like they portrayed Florence Nightingale as this cold, stoic woman that just like was just I remember like horrible to yeah. all the Civil War people. And then you, was it not Crimean War? Sorry. And then you got Mary Seacole, who's this like no, the, the, professing black magic and doing all this like Samaritan. Yeah, the Samaritan. We, we, we did a, it was a, a lesson it was a on weird, Samaritan. It was a weird. Yeah, it was a really weird comparison. But yeah. whereas all of these other people, they have politicians, they have historians, they have entertainers. You know, what I mean, that mm. are not present that they can be like, oh, look at the history of our country and look at the people and the greatness in which our world is currently in. But when you look at black people. Where is something that they built? Where can we say that these people have been great and they've done something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, think that's... We're really behind though, isn't it, Britain? It's only now that, uh, you know, like a lot of people who have... A lot of black people who've contributed to like building Britain up and done amazing things in history. It's only now we're kind of bringing them to the surface. Exactly. Where before you really had to go dig in yeah. to, to, to find these people. They were there. Of course, they're there. Of course, they were there. You know what I mean? There, but yeah. we just weren't, we weren't being taught them in school. When right. we were doing Black History Month, you know, it was very like our black, still now it's very um, African American. Yeah, African American focused. Do you know what I mean? But now it's kind of changing a little bit now. Yeah, yeah. and that's the importance of this book. Just because, exactly. like, you could, like, now you can like open up. What I've, what I've actually found recently is that the diaspora is kind of opening up mm. itself to just like, not just being aware of everybody else. So, I think mean, because we had this discussion, if we want to kind of touch on it again, but like you know, the whole how do you feel about this whole new new this this Black British um, culture experience that you've seen, like going through the research for the book as well as you know conversations you've had stateside and then coming over here like what does that look like for you i love it i mean i before i came just a few nights before i came i ran into a friend who has lived here who's black and she was just saying you're gonna learn so much from black british people um about blackness and new perspectives around you know your understanding of it and enjoy it really take this as an opportunity to do that and i have been doing that which has been so great and you know what's so interesting to hear you say about Mary Seacole is that she was one of the people who I didn't know about until we researched this book so it's really fascinating I I felt I was mentioning this on my panel at foils the other day I was embarrassed that I didn't know about her because I consider myself as someone who has always kind of been global in the way that I see things because I didn't grow up in America my whole life I moved to Saudi Arabia as an expat so I think that I seek out global perspectives more than your average American. And I said, wait, how did I not know about Mary Seacole? Oh, this is by design, right? That even in 
black spaces, Americanness is centered more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this part has been really fascinating for me. And just even the research was harder in the U.S. to find for me about black British leaders and luminaries. And it's, hard, was, it's hard for us. And we're here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for real. So I can't imagine how it must have been for you. My sister's doing a project and she was like, she wanted to know more about the Black Panthers. So she's kind of opening up her kind of like mind to things. And she was like, but um, no, it wasn't even that. She actually asked, why don't we have a Juneteenth? Mm. And I was like, "Um, everybody knows what Juneteenth is, right? That Ralph Mm -hmm. Ellison book, right? But you know what Juneteenth is? No, I don't. So the the day the ship came back after the Civil War to free the slaves. Oh, right, okay. On June 18th. Okay. Is it 18th? It's, um, yes, June 19th. 19th. So that's the day. And then, so I was like to her, well, you know, then, because in order to do that in Britain, you actually have to speak about what it was like in Britain and then what they owned in the Caribbean and then or in Africa and places and then figure that out. So she was really like, her mind was kind of blown on that. So she was thinking, why don't we have the same kind of, like... Openness. Openness. Because we're stiff upper-lipped and our racism is very intrinsic in... yeah. Yeah. The world British that we're culture in. is oh let's not talk let's, let's not make not, a fuss yeah. about it yeah. exactly yeah. it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. you know it's there but let's just you know sweep it under the rug mm. and hide it in the closet yeah it's like that film have you seen Belle yes Belle yeah it was a beautiful film yeah oh, I haven't but seen I, by, Belle um, no. Google Bethel what's her name oh it's um oh, I forgot as well <laughs> oh Ama no, oh, Sante was yes. that yes yes. yes yes and um you have you've not seen it I haven't seen it no no oh okay so yeah um. A nobleman bring an aristocrat brings home his mixed race daughter to live in one of the. I've arist- seen the trailer. I just haven't seen the movie. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, that kind of parts that I don't like about that film. Yeah, there's definite, definite parts. But then it's just like though that's kind of the context in which you have to start. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style explaining to like black british people about how their their context here you know and also even like a lot of the times i was reading up on say for example even like first waivers you know when women got the rights to vote here in 1918 a lot of the times these people who were activists were pretty privileged here Mm -hmm. um and so they could go out and march on the streets and do all of these other things. But for a lot of black people, because the interplay of class and race is so tight here, it's almost impossible for any light to be shed on those lives here. Whereas I think it's a a bit different in the States. I don't know if you can you will agree with yes. me, but I think the the dialogue between race and class 
is, I think, one of the main things that separates um, or that differentiates the race relations in America and in Britain. Yeah, it has. It plays itself out differently because of the history. And I think there's some similarities. So, for example, you know, and especially in the feminist spaces I'm in, one of my biggest frustrations is when people lionize people like uh, Alice Paul, who would be like one of the people you mentioned from the early suffragist movement because she did fight for women getting the franchise. But she also said to Ida B. Wells Barnett, you know, really impactful black journalist um, and anti-lynching activist. Oh, well, if you want to march at the suffragist parade, you have to march in the back with your people. You can't march with us up front. Now, Ida B. Wells didn't listen and marched herself right up to the front with everybody else. Mm. But I always think about that as kind of the metaphor for the situation that we're we're often in. And I think that... um, So we have some similarities there, but I think that the U.S. history of um, how class has been disrupted in certain ways Mm -hmm. because of the way that the U.S. was founded um, is just quite different. You know, I think there was this big fascination that people like myself have had over the crown and Downton Abbey and all these kinds of cultural things, because I think that. In the UK, at least from our perspective, those class lines were so much more clearly drawn and adhered to. They exist in the US, but they're not, there's this other counter narrative that is like, if one pulls up their bootstrap, the mm. rugged individualism the lie, dream. the American dream, like so-called it. American dream, yeah. if you fight for it and you work hard and you pull yourself up by the bootstraps, then you'll be able to ex- achieve success will still intoxicate people mm. into believing that it's somehow possible. And so I think that's a little bit of the difference that it's it's more yeah. clear here in, in specific ways, but it, it's there. I mean, that's one of the reasons why um, when the current president was running, people would refer to him as the working class billionaire, which is an oxymoron. <laughs> well, didn't yeah. he say that he's, you know, his father gave him a little bit of money of one million pounds yeah. to start off his one million dollars to start off his business? I was like, just a little bit of money. And people support that. I mean, the funny part is, is I've heard people use that in arguments, like commentators saying, oh, well, he only got a little pick me up. I mean, for the amount his dad could have given him, oh, it really wasn't that much. And so, but I think what's interesting about it is that it exists in the U.S., but because of our narrative or because there are exceptional narratives, Americans love exceptionalist stories, um, then they'll say, well, there isn't really this major class problem here because this person had nothing when they were younger and then built themselves Mm -hmm. up, but they had whiteness (laughs) or they had another sort of social factor that was helping them get there along the way. So um, I think that the, the thing that's interesting to me about here is just the ways in which these things are... Um, you don't go against the grain. Don't go against the grain. They're clearer. Even the ways in which, um, you know, being in Ubers, you learn so much. Um, and I was staying in this hotel recently and the guy goes, oh, you're in a money place. It was when I first came in. It was in um, Kensington near the museums. Oh, yeah. You know, and he was trying to figure out how I was going there and why. Yeah. You know, Um, but it was such an interesting thing that that he kind of said that in a way that I wouldn't have expected in the States that someone would really comment on that. I expect the absolute silence from my Uber drivers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, don't talk to me. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was so interesting. He's like, ooh, you're going to a good money place and like associating the neighborhood like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. interesting. You do step into those places. Just kind of, I just want to take like... I'm assuming you've read The Great Gatsby. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, oh no, because I just feel like it's the perfect example here because obviously Gatsby is rich and he he's trying to buy himself into Tom Buchanan's class, but he's failing to do so. These people are not allowing him to get there. Is that kind of divide now, you know, kind of gone now? So in America, can you actually buy yourself? Could a Gatsby now buy himself into Tom Buchanan's class? I think to a certain extent. Mm. You know, I think I think that's the question that you see people kind of grappling with in those echelons right now. So are you right? new money or are you like old exactly, money? Exactly, like the nouveau riche yeah. the old money blue bloods yeah. um, type thing. You know, I went to a boarding school and I know the terminology is a little bit different here. So like private, but it's, it's a yeah. private school, mm. elite school. Yeah. That was all girls that I went to, started by blue stocking feminist in the 1800s. I was one of 12 black people at the school when I was there. There's, that's a whole other podcast for another day. But um, <laughs> when I was at that school, I learned a lot about, you know, what whose money was respected mm. for when it was earned and when it was inherited yep. and whose money was considered cheaper. 
even if they had more, mm-hmm. you know, and the ways in which the really rich girls who had familial names but might not have had money, but they had property or they had a, a name that a president had or something like that would have more class status than someone who's dad had struck it rich on some sort of trade and then they had a Rolls Royce pick them up at school or something. And so that was an education for me Mm. um, about class or even so much as um, I would have white parents sometimes say to me on Parents Weekend, we're so glad that our money to the scholarship fund could make it possible for you to go here. Wow. But I was a full tuition paying student. Oh my goodness. So those assumptions about class were really interesting for me too. Um, when people would come to me and be like, it's so like, but literally yeah. pat me on the head, so great that we could make it possible for look you to how, get this world class education. Do you know what the thing is though? When, oh my God. When it, comes to, yeah, when it comes to that, what you said about the whole Nouveau region, like how your money, what quality of the money and stuff, I feel like that's, um, it's similar here, but when you look at, aristocracy and ti- they had the mm. titles that mm. go with it you see I, what I mean I don't like think so. so if you were going to a pub well they're private but they're called public schools mm-hmm. public schools such as Harrow or Eton and whatnot a lot of them are a lot of the students that go there are from noble mm. quote-unquote noble birth so they've got like their baron the baronetsies and the viscounts and all these things and obviously viscounts are below certain Mm. ranks and obviously all, they all work in businesses as well but if I think in this I feel like in the states once you strip away the titles and they have they they have the money and you know the agency to go further in their in their companies I think that's kind of what the the slight similarity is if that makes any sense yes. so rather so into in America they've got those big businesses like the Hiltons and all those mm-hmm. people but they probably have that here but they have titles alongside them fifth Viscount of Berkshire or whatever but then a lot of them have their hands in business so I just find that really interesting that's the way that you just kind of take away the that mm-hmm. element of class the... and then they and then the business becomes a person right they cut tall yeah. like corporate personhood yeah. in the states right so then that's so then the business that you're related to kind of gets the status I mean when you hear our politicians talking about um businesses and and needing to deregulate them a lot of times they'll talk about them in ways that they would talk about a human so that you would then empathize with their needs <laughs> which is so insidious and scary. And I've really been, you know, it's kind of like how you need to closely read a book. I try to do that when I hear them talking yeah. about it to be like, oh, no, this is trying to make me, you know, care about um, a business. this business. Like it's a human, Profit like a child making, or yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's how um, they'll treat it. Exactly. Did you grow up in New York? No, I didn't. I mean, where did you grow up? So I am originally from the Carolinas. So oh. um, south and North Carolina. I moved to Saudi Arabia for about 10 years. So I did most of my how childhood there. Oh, I mean, it was mostly all that I knew. So Do you speak Arabic? I don't speak it well. I have okay. like very mediocre yeah. Arabic. I speak Arabic like a fourth grader. Yeah. <laughs> Smaller um, than me. But I... Um, Really, you know, I loved it there because my friends were there and the other kids that grew up in an international school environment. Mm. So I think that that experience is what I hold on to. And um, also just being able to travel the world in a way I wouldn't have been able to if I had lived in the States. And then when I was 14, I moved back to the States to the boarding school and my parents were still living in Saudi Arabia. So then I would go back and forth and spend all my holidays in Saudi Arabia. But I lived in Maryland mm-hmm. at the school. Um, and then in college, I stayed in the States and I've, I've been in the States since then living in Washington, D.C., New York, Berkeley, California and Oakland, California, and then back to New York. Um, and so I just kind of see myself as a nomad. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay, before we move on, I just want to ask all of you guys a question. Um, Who were your heroes growing up, like your role models? Mm. Oh, God. Like, as in actual growing up, not like teens. You can't just bring this on us out of nowhere. Why not? It's not out of nowhere. (laughs) It's, you know, in relation to Okay, so you're talking between the ages of, what, 10 and 15? No, from like 7 to... 12. Okay, I have two. I can just throw them out quickly. Okay. Go for it. Weird enough, it was Mace. Mace. the, the, Daddy the, the hip-hop, the hip-hop <laughs> preacher. Yes, it was Daddy As in from seven till 12. Yeah. I love. Yeah, okay. it's so weird. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> um, Guess who's back? But yeah, Puff Daddy and Mace, it was Eddie Murphy. Oh I was gosh. absolutely obsessed with coming to America. Yeah. I had on cassette. I used to literally rewind it all day long and just watch it. I'm still obsessed with it. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, I think I know the whole thing word for word. <laughs> and, um, and Will Smith. Okay. Loved Will Smith. Yeah. Still do actually. Yeah. Um 
yeah, mine was Will Smith because mm-hmm. he's the kind of like he's kind of what spurred me on to want to do Spanish mm-hmm. and acting. Um, so yeah, I was thinking yeah him. Um, also Trevor McDonald for some weird reason. Did you he, used to watch? Yeah, him? He's on, he's on, yeah, the he's, a, he's a news um, a news anchor here. He's really old, like he's really old now, but. Um, yeah, the news at ten, Jeremy McDonald. That always used to be interesting because he was like mm-hmm. West Indian, and he was just this black man that I saw every night. Um, and he was just, yeah, that was that was fun. Okay. Um, those are the two I can think of. I can't think of anybody else. What about you? Mm, Lisa Bonet um, from the Cosby Show and A Different World. So just because you know she was very eccentric, which I've always been. She flies her freak flag high, and um, but was also smart. And Oprah. Oh, Oprah. Mm. I mean, Oprah is goals. I just, everything about her, I love. I'm Southern. You know, she's Southern, resilient, heartfelt, and authentic. And I yeah. love that about her. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so I had to Google it because I forgot which one it was. Actually, you even uh, asked the question. I know, I know, I know. That's why I went last. That's why I went last. Okay, so um, <laughs> the first time I came to England, um, I used to be really obsessed with Power Rangers um, because it was, I just loved it on Fox on Fox TV or whatever it's called. Fox, Fox Kids. Fox Kids, that's it. And um, I used to love Power Rangers. Like I, my name used to be called Power Ranger. Like Aww. they'd call me Power Ranger in the house. And there was a um, Power Rangers Mighty Morphin. The Yellow Ranger changed, and they changed her into this black girl. And it was the first oh, time. Yeah, they did. yeah, Aisha Campbell. And I was like, when in Power Rangers Zeo, wasn't it the second iteration? Yes, the Chinese one. Yeah, but it was, okay, yeah, we're gonna get into technicalities. Okay. Yes. Um, anyways, <laughs> so Aisha Campbell, the Yellow Ranger, was my mm. first ever like person who I saw, and I was like, oh my god, like. She's a black girl and she's me and she's in Power Rangers. Um, absolutely obsessed. I had everything. And the next person was really simple, Hermione Granger. Um, I loved Harry Potter as a kid. And shut up, Derek. Well, <laughs> he literally- Hermione is supposed to be black, right? There's a whole country. I mean, no, she is not in Not when she wrote her, like, come on, J.K. Rowling. She, she, she went from writing the book <laughs> she, to publication. She is not. All the way through to film. She is not black. And it's okay. At every stage, you could have no, said, right, it's a black girl. Yeah, it's okay. I don't know. She was, was not black. Too. No. No. I no, no, swear no, no. that she was. Did you, no, but did you. No. Really? No, she's not even described no, 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 as black. No, she basically, she's described as curly hair and buck teeth. That, mm. that, that could be. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that yeah, no, really she worked twice as hard because she was a half blood. Yeah, that's it, mud blood. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, mud blood. She's muggle blood. born. She, yeah, she's muggle born. Politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, she's a muggle. That's what muggle born, you know. So basically, yeah, so those two, as in, I loved Hermione Granger. She taught me my work ethic as a kid, to be honest. Um, and um, Aisha Campbell from Power Rangers Mighty Morphin, even though Power Rangers Lost Galaxy is the best Power Ranger ever. When we even, we even had Trisha. On TV. Oh I don't even know God. what happened. Also, oh, um, Tia and Tamira, Sister, Sister. Yeah. That was like my favourite show. Mm. Like, I loved that show. That was a good show. That was a good show. And Taina. It was a good show. <laughs> I remember when Keenan and Kel were in Sister, Sister. One episode. Yeah. Were they? Yeah. I don't think they were called Oh, Keenan no, they weren't. Kel, yeah, they were separate. Yeah. They were called. It, they were, all these crossovers were great. Nickelodeon <gasps> was amazing. You don't remember when Keenan and Kel were in Sister, Sister? No. Yeah, it was in one episode. Oh my god, okay. okay. Anyways, let's move yeah. on. <laughs> Alrighty, so but we this Sorry. this week for mostly flicks though, we did have a um a moment with hidden figures. Yes, okay, so we watched um Hidden Figures this week and um well I hope all of you have watched it. Yeah. I've seen it a couple mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. Um and yeah, just like your thoughts, guys. Give us your thoughts. Great movie. I think it's amazing. I think it I mean, it's a great, it's a really, really great feel, feel good, good movie. Yeah, yeah. Do you know but at mean? the same time, I always think feel good doesn't shouldn't get like awards. But I think obviously this one was yeah, like nominated. Was. And, but yeah. also, my only main criticism for not the movie, but I just I didn't like um, I didn't like the white guy. The white savior I didn't complex. like the yeah, white savior thing. Own. It was yeah. so Kevin annoying. Costner. Yeah, I didn't like him. What yeah. do you think, Jamie? That was my main critique of the film, especially just having read some of the real history of mm. how that happened, feeling like, oh, it's tied up too nicely in a bow, that that level of benevolence mm. um, usually doesn't happen. And, you know, I understand why they wanted this for their story arc, but I would have just loved the movie with these women just kicking butt 
the way that they did themselves. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, we we have a hidden figure in the book. I wish we could have had all three. Okay. Yeah, fifty two. Mm. Um, and you know, I think I enjoyed the movie mostly just because the response that I saw from like black children in the movie theaters was yeah. really inspiring to me, and um, also just Janelle Monae. Right, is amazing. Loved. I love her Janelle. so much. I, I love them all, but Janelle Renee was like the one character I was just in awe. I think there should have been more of her as well, but obviously. And she, how she wanted to just better herself, yeah. and they all did, but she really wanted to excel. And she and when she went to the courtroom, and she was like, "Listen, like yeah. stop moving the damn finishing line." Yeah, yeah. Because I'm really trying here. Yeah, um, yeah. She can't. She really played. She played on his ego. That. I mean, you always you have be to on, do with people. Yeah, she was like, you can, you can be the the person to make the change. Like, yes. you know what I mean? you've been at the forefront of all this change all this time. So, it was good though. I really it was, enjoyed it. Yeah, I really. Did. Um, it was the first time that I actually rated. Um, what's her name? Yeah. Oh, God, the main character. Taraji. All I think is Cookie. You rated. <laughs> you, only, uh, <laughs> you, you know what? I know. A, I'm not really baby boy. I have. You you in Baby Boy. You in I didn't, then. but you know why? Oh I, I, I loved. I on. loved Baby Boy. The only reason why, because she's never made me like. She's never made my heart like move. Mm. But it's only when she was running and she, that that time when she, when she explained ran to the it. Toilet. Yeah. When she was yeah. Benjamin, when she was yeah. running and then she's finally had enough and she's she's the guy's like, where the hell are you? At that moment when what she said, like I was in the cinema, like yeah, yeah, I saw that. I was like, yes, man, talk up, talk like, up. Like my heart was um, just tugging. She was good in Benjamin Button as and well. I, cried. I enjoyed her in Benjamin Button. Oh, she was in. Yeah, Benjamin she was. Do you know, that yeah. was the last film she auditioned for. Really? Wow. That was the last film she auditioned for. I so remember, she didn't have to audition no more? When you get to a certain stage, you don't have to start auditioning. Yeah. They come oh. and asking you. Oh, is it? I thought so. even when they ask you, you still have to do like a little... Oh, no, Sometimes well, they they say, co- if they do like a star-studded... like uh. It's more of a like a conversation. It's like, do you, can, this is a role that's right for you kind of thing. And I really love Cookie. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to say. <laughs> I'm going to admit it. I, I stopped I love watching cookie. after the first season. Yeah, I mean, I, lo- I know. I love Cookie in that, in that season. Yes. It just became a bit... It, I it, stopped watching. Oh, I can't watch it anymore. The show became a bit... Much. The show much. I was like, why is why is he still alive? Anyway, because he's, he's supposed to supposed to be dying. I don't know. I but, would um, watch her with the sound off, even just that, like everything about her person. My favorite scene was when she. Okay, I don't cond- like. I'm not for here for violence, but <laughs> when she slapped up, Lu- is it Lucius's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his girlfriend. His girl. Yes. She does the drink. The drink it. part. I think I used it as a meme one time yeah. describing uh, Derek, <laughs> but. That was amazing. Yeah. It was just pop. Ah, oh, it was incredible. Yeah. I wish I could do that. <laughs> you know when you know Hidden Figures then? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like, the one thing about, what's her name? Um, Octavia Spencer. Mm-hmm. She's always in these films that are, like, that are heavy civil rights films. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's, I don't feel like she's been given a chance to be in a film that's just not, not just that, about she was in the help she's in the help yeah. then you got the hidden figures and then she's going to be doing this other no she was in um a film recently um the that one oh, the oscar um, the strange no not strange the, the sea something of water someone the shape of water shape of water, shape of water. Shape of water. Shape of water. she was in that i she don't know that, okay. but she was also like the supporting also, actress it's always a sub- subsidiary yeah, it's all, role. yeah it's always a supportive sort of good mary sequel part yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm here to help you yeah, yeah. become the star-studded person that you're yeah, yeah. meant to be. Yeah, I think yeah. that's also true. It's always an ath- like there's always an attitude within her character. Like even in this hidden figures when she went to the library and she had to very much she stole the book and like she did that anyway kind of thing and it was just like this is the kind of stuff that she's always it's like her story is always confronted with that. Like mm. even um, but she was quite she was she was quite subdued in Hidden Figures though. Mm. Yeah, she wasn't really. She wasn't as fiery as in the Help. She wasn't fiery, she but she was eat my shit in the Help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was definitely that was an amazing part. That was a great oh, scene. Yeah. Was a but yeah, she was very mellow here, very motherly, yeah. very calm, very calculating in the way that she um, wanted to sort of fight her oppression with like Kirsten Dunst's character. Um, I didn't even realize that was Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you look familiar. I, I, I hate what's going on. Dance. But she's great. Like, I feel like she's like, aging. I can't stand her. I thought, I thought that was the one from Save the Last Dance. Is that not her? No, that's Julia Stiles. <laughs> Julia Stiles. <laughs> no, that's what? Kirsten Dunst. I thought Julia. That's what? Mary. No, Kirsten Dunst. The first thing I know about Jumanji. her is Mary. Really, I think Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Mary, she did an interview with Vampire. Vampire. 
It was um, Interview with a Vampire. Not Mary. Oh, it's not Mary. Interview with a Vampire. That, that was her movie? debut. That oh. was uh, Dunstan's Spider-Man. debut. Spider-Man. Oh, was it? Yeah, when she was like yeah. 11 years old or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. so she was in Jumanji first. Oh, maybe she was. She was in Jumanji? Yeah, she was the girl. I thought the, she the was love interest? With the... the girl. The little one. No, yeah. was it, wasn't her first movie, Kirsten Honey, Dunn. I Shrunk the Kids or something? Wasn't she in that? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Why, oh, we, why, do why are we centering this white woman? Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> internalized repression. Right? Internalized Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome. It's not about you, Kirsten Dunst. It's about Octavia Spencer. She was older. And, like, um, yeah, so thank you guys. Cool. Yeah, um, mostly flicks. Yeah, mostly flicks. <laughs> so, raise issue. Now, as you guys know, um, everyone has been like releasing a gender pay gap within like the last couple of um, weeks um, from absolutely all sorts of industries. Um, they've been sort of legally, they've had to uh, actually say their results. And um, I was looking at the publishing industry's gender pay gap, and I've come for these publishers, and it's time for you, y'all, to just get your shit together. Okay. So, I was reading an article. And Penguin Random House, Hatchet UK and HarperCollins, please, like, I've come to drag you because this is absolutely disrespectful from an industry that has two thirds of the population being women. How is your mean average paying men more? Please fix up your shit. Um, None of us are here for it. It's just absolutely crazy. And my only issue is, okay, gender pay gap, terrible. We're not even looking at, like, the, the differences in ethnicities and people of color within these gender pay gap um, sort of things. So when those results come out, I don't even know what I'll say. So I just, that's my issue. I'm here to just be like, the results are out. Please yeah, fix out. up, sort it out. Sort it out. Sort and it the out. mic was dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so does, it. It, does it say which one pays more um, out of the three? No, so it's not that. So basically say for, I was just reading it. Um, I don't know if these have changed, mm-hmm. But biggest disparity was with Hatchet UK. Uh, the I don't really take the median because that's just the middle. But the mean was twenty nine point six nine percent. And then you have uh, Penguin Random House. God, I don't know which ones were they. Let me see. Did I just say Hatchet? I don't think he said yeah. one. Yeah. Anyways, that, that's there's there's it's just but Hatchet was the worst one out of, oh, out right, of the okay. three out of. Harper big, Collins oh, and uh, Penguin Random House. Oh, right, okay. Um, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, guys, please, like, if you're about social change, actually be about it and start paying people what they are owed for their hard work. Thank you very much, Ray. Thank you. Yes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> so that's the end of the show. Um, thank you so much, Jamia, for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Carving out some of your time I to know. come and talk to us and hear thank us. You. You know, yeah, um, it was lovely. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. What's up for you next? Like, where can people find you? Like, what's going on? And so, I am so excited. I'm still going to be here for a little bit and doing some bookstore visits. Nice. Um, and also just exploring around. Um, people can find me on Instagram, Jamia Wilson, um, and also on Twitter at Jamia W. And I'm happy to stay connected. <laughs> I know that I'll be listening to this podcast. <laughs> Please do. Regularly. Um, and also, for anyone who's going to be doing Pen World Voices next week, I will be doing an activist story hour. It's the first children's uh, storytelling resistance story hour, and it's going to be with the author of A is for Activist and also the author of the translation of the Chinese Emperor's New Clothes. Mm. So I'm really excited about that, and we're going to have the littles there with us doing a resistance storytelling experience, and I can't wait. Amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. And um, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.